welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz. I am your host, Danny Katz. I am an author, journalist, and a quantum languaging coach and consultant. What that means is that I teach people how language programs consciousness, how language programs reality at large, and how to transform reality and evolve our consciousness with language. I've also been known to cultivate and share an opinion or two or 12 about culture and consciousness and how they are evolving, devolving, and being manipulated by the powers that were. Here at Word Up, we are devoted to fostering critical thinking while supporting you in becoming your most authentic, empowered, liberated, realized, amazing version of yourself. Our every show aims to expand your consciousness, raise your frequency, sharpen your critical thinking skills, and make you giggle. (laughs) And think. Given the radical uptick in censorship over the past few years, combined with the complete co-opting slash decimation of my own personal industry, journalism, I started Word Up to have a free speech-friendly platform in which to engage exploratory, solutions-based conversations with visionaries, mystics, original thinkers, and rebel badasses who are helping to make the world more wonderful. The first half of my interviews run between 30 to 90 minutes and are always posted here for free public listening. The second halves are reserved for paid supporters on my Patreon and my Locals platforms, where for as little as $5 a month, you can access all of my second half conversations along with oodles of other bonus content and opportunities to drop in with me, to drop in with our High Vibe tribe, and lots of other awesome things. In addition to interviews, Word Up also features quantum languaging upgrades, planetary service announcements, and propaganda analysis, which I call Spot the Propaganda. Thank you so much for tuning in and for sharing your sacred attention with me and our high vibe tribe of change makers. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you can stay abreast of our every episode. Thank you for also clicking the like button, for sharing far and wide, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As well, if you are gleaning any value whatsoever from these shows, consider supporting me on Locals and or Patreon. And as you are wanting to learn more about my quantum languaging coaching and consulting services or nab copies of my books, find me on dannycats.com as well as on quantumlanguaging.com. Okay, I think that's it for our housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Hey, superstars, welcome back to another episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Today, I am joined by my friend Remington Donovan, who is a Word Up podcast regular at this point. Remington is a published author, numerologist, mystic, astrologer, and he came on the show to talk to us about, of course, all the things, um, specifically the um, South Node moving into Libra while the North Node moved into Aries and what that portends 
for the global situation. Um, Remington and I have a really comfortable flow um, and he loves to come on the show because he gets to say whatever the fuck he wants, which is, <laughs> I'm very happy to offer um, that space for my fellow free thinkers and rebels. So before we dive in, I'm reminding you to and thanking you for clicking the subscribe button for liking sharing and commenting i'm also nudging you to sign up for my newsletter at dannycats.com because i am often suppressed on google on youtube on the socials and even though i super appreciate you subscribing to my channel it doesn't actually guarantee that you are going to see me in your feeds or be notified of my next podcasts, words are matter episodes, et cetera, et cetera. So the best way for you to stay apprised of all of my content, my courses, my books, my live events is to sign up for my newsletter at dannycats.com. You can also sign up at quantumlanguaging.com. You will get a free PDF, five quantum languaging hacks for instant empowerment. That's right, instant empowerment. Um, and I think that does it on the house. Oh, no, it doesn't do it on the housekeeping front because my show is divided into two parts. The first half is free on all of the audio podcast platforms, as well as on YouTube and on my locals channel. The second half is reserved for my paying supporters on locals and Patreon. So for as little as $5 a month, you will get access to all of my second half conversations, plus bonus content, plus advanced notice and special discounts on courses, webinars, et cetera, et cetera. Um, as well, I like people to know that if you're interested in the podcast I do with Emily Moyer Words, that is available for my $10 and up supporters. So I just wanna give you a full lay of the land so you can decide, um, what's best for you links to both platforms locals and patreon are in the show description as well i am prepping to teach my last ever live virtual pop propaganda homeschool course for teens so if you are a parent who is homeschooling a teen and want to safeguard your teen against propaganda, media manipulation, groupthink, definitely sign up for my course. It starts September 13th. I think this show is gonna come out before then. Um, and if not, worry not because I am in the process of digitizing this course so it won't be reliant upon me or a set schedule for your teens to be able to go through this curriculum. All right, that really does do it for housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy my conversation with Remington Donovan. How's it going? How's fatherhood? How's the new book? Uh, <clears throat> fatherhood is great. I, it, honestly, it's kind of uh, chill. Um, I'm just hitting the view so I can see us both. Um, I mean, he's, you know, knock on wood, but so far he's a really easy kid, like a really sweet temperament. He's high energy, always has to get into things. He's always observing figuring it out but his demeanor is really sweet so 
um it's it definitely makes probably parenting very easy or maybe like not getting my shit together till like later in life i don't know <laughs> um but it's i mean it's a joy it's definitely like a um it's interesting because I thought before having a kid, I'm like, oh, it'll just be this like immediate, like love at first sight. And that exists. But like at first, it's almost like, what? Like, whoa, there's this, where did this human come from? Right. And like, why are they here? And, but the love, like it just literally grows every day. Um, it's So, yeah, I mean, it's fatherhood's totally chill, to be honest. Like I, I hear that. parents, like they get, they're like, oh, it's, they're like, it. they'll always say like how tough it is first, but rewarding. And that we just like, that's just not the case with us. Nice. But we're 18 months in. So, you know. But it's nice that you get to offer an alternative narrative to the, you know, standard issue. No sleep. It's a nightmare for the first, <laughs> you know, 19 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You- <laughs> and then they move back home at 35. Um right. <laughs> yeah, you know what? He's mostly a sleeper. Um, I mean, I'm telling you, he's just like chill. He's really bright, he's really smart. I'm sure every parent thinks that. But I'll tell you what the coolest part is is like these little advancements. Like, I'll hand him something and you could just say, Hey, can you throw this in the trash? And he was like, just at his grandparents' house. He hadn't been there since he was much younger and he knew where the trash was. Like he just was like opening the drawer. So their level of, of observation is pretty mind blowing. Like he literally knows everything that's happening and maybe because he's like an Aquarius. He's very observant. Um, it's a fun sign so far to have as a child. What sign are you again? Aquarius. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, I thought so. Um, Aquarius is just it's it's a really fucking bright sign. And it's it's just smart. It's, it's also kind of it's funny how Aquarius is like friends and community, but I find Aquarius is very independent. Massively like, so. Like he, you know, he goes to the park. He's really friendly with some of the kids. He's like very sweet, but then he's just, he just wants to do his thing. You know, he keeps himself completely occupied and busy for all day. And he remembers everything. (laughs) I mean, I often say Aquarius is one of the most, if not the most intelligent sign. Mm Mm-hmm. I am mean, a air- fan of hyperbole, so I'll take the most. <laughs> uh, I mean, air signs are the smart signs generally, but Aquarius, you know, it's sometimes it's so smart that nobody knows what where they're coming from. But you right, know. I consider it the most. I mean, I don't know the the rest of them, but I feel like we're the misunderstood sign. I I think to some degree because it's not a sign to like pin up. Where you can be like, oh, you're into community, you know um but it's it's a very cosmic energy but it's he's like nothing's fate he doesn't get phased by stuff you know like he's not like spooked out like all of a sudden like wait where is he he's like just walking down the dark hallway like hanging he'll like go into the bathroom when he figured out how to open the door and it's like door he just closes the door and he's just sitting in the dark like waiting like he's not spooked out you know so 
and I think that where we live, because it's so small and it, it's very community sort of driven and people tend to love kids here. Mm-hmm. So his experience of life is everywhere he goes, people just fawn over him and love him. And I feel I like, that. oh, that's a good foundation where he's just like, oh, everywhere I go, people just love me. You know, that I think that's a good transmission. Absolutely. Just builds confidence and a feeling of safety and like I belong and like kind of in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like good to go. Yeah. I. It's like I'll, I'll now Instagram is finally after a year and a half figured out that I'm a parent. So oh. I'm getting like, I, I don't know. I've like fooled the Instagram algorithm, but uh, the, the, um, uh, oh, like I'll see these horrible like p- parenting like technique suggestion. One is like never encourage your kid if they do like a good job, just normalize the behavior. And I'm like, what? Like, because then later in life, if they don't do something good enough and they don't get praise, then they're gonna fail. I'm like, you know, these like early years, if they just feel safe and secure and valued. I think by the time they're off on their own, they're going to just have that foundation. They're not going to care if someone praised them or not. There's just like, and then there's a study. I'm like, none of these studies are, are true in my opinion. Like, right. how, how did you take a control group of kids, one group praised, the other group not praised, and then how many kids would you study and then all the way until adulthood and then watch them as adults how they behave? Well, and also how many other X factors are involved beyond just the praise, no praise. Well, and this, the psychic imprint, like if you're going through, who knows a death, a divorce. I mean, the, it's, there's endless problems we can go on about. Um, but you know, cause they just pick up, you know, children definitely pick up on everything. Um, yeah. so I think he's, uh, he's going to be fine. I mean, I already have like sad thoughts. Like, is he good? Where's he going to go off to like college and stuff? I've already telling him, I'm like, well, Bennington University has one of the most renowned literary fiction and writing programs, and it's 24 minutes from here. So he's uh, like taking notes at 18. Yeah, months. just go okay, there. Dad, Bennington. <laughs> that's going to co- cost you a pretty penny, Dad. <laughs> Uh, that's a really expensive school. Vermont has oh, really? all these like little like luxury schools like Middlebury, Bennington, and then right over the line in Massachusetts is like Williams College, which was also a big CIA recruitment place. Um, Did back you go to college? Uh, not no, I didn't finish. I mean, I went to college and grad school, and I don't know that it's helped me in my life. I. I don't- I mean, I know there's this narrative of like kids go to college, but I wonder how relevant it is these days, given that we know they're giant woke indoctrination camps. Well, there's that. I um I think that it's becoming less relevant. The only people I know that went to school and are working in their field is either doctors, because that's just a specialized choice, lawyers and artists. Believe it or not, everyone I know who went to art school are the my friends, the people in my life that overall like make the most money and have like the biggest jobs. Really? Yeah. So that's a good good imprint. Yeah. Like every that especially is. living. And how fun? Like yeah, my cousin does really well. She's an art school graduate. 
Mm-hmm. And um and then of course, you know, living in LA, but yeah, it's like I was like, okay, so art school is where the money is, which is the contradiction. Because what do you say to like an art, you know, who do what do you say to someone who graduated art school? Like, do you want fries with that? Right. Uh, well, now that you mention it, I'm thinking of my friends who went to art school and they they have leveraged it into money making careers versus like the general liberal arts, like English degree people who are like yeah. when I was writing for the LA Weekly, I was the only one who had a master's degree in journalism. Like no one there studied it. No one there really I- cared. I super respect that. Like I sometimes I used to be really insecure about not having finished school and I didn't really even go. I just, where I grew up, uh, my high school was a subsidiary of the university of Connecticut. And as in high school, you were able to take some college courses. And so they would take a college course through the high school. And then instead of what they would split it up at like one semester, of programming would be like a year in the high school. Mm-hmm. So it was like, oh, I was interested, cool. I was interested in like religious studies. Um, but I just had a hard time in school and I, I viewed it all as like the, um, you know, I was going to public school. You really have to fit into a box and probably for public school, my high school was probably okay. And I just didn't fit. Like I didn't, my mind didn't fit with the programming. I had one teacher that was kind of cool, but my greatest memory of high school is I I read The Stranger by Albert Camus. And that book had a huge imprint on my life then and there. And so it was a life-changing book. But all the other, like nobody explains to you, oh, if you studied literature, what you're going to do is just use it as a springboard to babble of like have like insight and ideas about life. Like nobody explained that to me. So I was like, well, school just seems dead and I love learning, but college seemed intimidating. And then my father died and he's the one with the money. And I just finally came to terms. Like I just hate school. And I was, and my dad was even like, he got me like booklets. This was like in the eighties when I was in high school, he got me booklets on small colleges Mm-hmm. thinking because he's recognized i was smart and i loved learning i read on my own but sc- like public school is just it really d- for me it was mind-numbing yeah probably a lot of people but then there's people that just they go through it they're fine they go to college and uh i remember having booklets about small colleges and and they'd have lists of like six like ronald reagan went to a small college somewhere and look at him he was president and i was like well okay that doesn't sell me on it um but that's been when i was younger i definitely i was like ashamed like i didn't like finish school you know yeah i i mean i think that's pretty common because of when we came up I grew up in California, so it was just kind of assumed we were all going to go to UC schools because the UC system was good and it was cheap. And I learned pretty quickly, like, oh, just regurgitate what my professors are saying and I will get A's. Um, But I also realized I I wasn't really learning anything. (laughs) Yeah, like, I think that's, it's probably like when I hear that, I'm like, oh, it's a good thing I didn't go because I'm thinking it's going to be some learned environment like you're sitting around with like Pythagoras. You know, like, and then what I really was interested in was obscure religion and obscure spirituality. 
And then I found a route to learn all that and kind of dedicate my life. Um, but I actually gonna, I'm thinking of taking some online uh, writing courses through a, a certain university, um, which is mostly just continuing education. So I don't have to go through all the bureaucracy. I can just pay. And I just, that's one of my goals is I want to learn to be a better writer. So I do admire people with like English degrees, journalism to me, journalists are like good journalists. It's just a certain mindset that to me seems really intelligent. But now that I've like written a couple books now, I'm like, I'd like to learn how to write. <laughs> like to have a strong point of view and write like essays, critical essays and like memoirs and things like that. Yeah. Just for, I because uh, I, I feel like I have something to share. I have something to say, even just to teach. It's like my cross to bear is I have to write it down. I mean, it's, I think it's every writer's cross to bear is like, you know, that we have to do it. I feel like I always tell people, don't be a writer unless you can't not be a writer because it's grueling, it's thankless, it takes a ton of stamina. Yes, computers are, you know, a blessing over typewriters, but it still takes the time and you're still, it's very lonely, right? It's just like you and your thoughts and tussling and getting them, you know, getting the wording just right and the syntax and the vibe. Um, I like my friend is a jazz musician and he played this big concert over the weekend. And I was like, that seems like a way more fun life path than the one that I've chosen. He's collaborating with different people, all sorts of different projects. The writing path is, is lonely and grueling. I, um, yeah. And you've probably written, I mean, you really have a background in writing. I guess my turnoff is I've known so many like MFA types in writing, that um, they're like obsessed with this notion or this identity of being a writer where I just feel like I have things to say and I have things to share and teach. And, and I, all I'm do is I think all the time. And then the more I realize, Oh, maybe that's what a writer is like, I have to get it out. You know, yeah. Like, if you asked me years ago, the idea of, like, writing, I had such a block. And I think it's from meeting those people that are just, they're obsessed with something or creating something. Uh, but then those poor people, like, spent a million dollars. They're never getting published. They're obsessed with, like, getting published. I'm like, well, even getting published, like, that's not your, like, golden ticket. You know what I mean? It's... It's not like, oh, now you got like cast and you're the star of a show or something like that. Right. You know? Right. Like even book advances, they don't, they like, I'm sure there's different deals, but they don't even like my advances, it all come in thirds. Mm -hmm. So I get a part, a third when I sign the book deal, a third when I turn in my manuscript, and then a third once the book comes out. And I have to remember to invoice them. Right. So it's not even like, oh, here's a nice chunk of money that I could do something with. By the time it gets broken up like that, it just goes into the wash of life, you know? And that's my experience. But talking to other writers and with book deals and stuff, it, it all seemed pretty status quo, at least at the level I'm at. It's interesting. I was talking to my friend Miriam about this. She's also a journalist. She just finished a book and how... I mean, I think what you're talking about speaks to the issue of being a writer, right? And taking on an identity construct versus focusing on 
what wants to be said, how can I say it the best way and being of service to that. But like Miriam and I were talking about the dreams that we held for ourselves as journalists, as writers, and what we envisioned our career paths to be. And then with what we now know of how the world works and how industry works and, um, you know, the people who play the game, you know, get certain benefits that those who aren't willing to compromise truth, you know, or freedom of expression or whatnot don't. So it's interesting now because, you know, it, it's odd to me to, to define myself, you know, on my website, I say words, lines, transformation. It feels weird to say like writer, author, journalist, they all feel so reductive. Um, but I feel like once we go scorched earth enough and we realize what a sham all these industries really are, then it's like, well, what do I dream into now? Because my dream of being like the next Joan Didion is not going to work these days because when FSG was interested in me, they told me I couldn't talk about um, circumcision being a problem and I couldn't talk about um, you know children not being breastfed, having issues. And I just realized like all these gatekeepers were prohibitive for me having the expression that I wanted to have and the reach that I wanted to have. So it's like the the dream and the fantasy of being a writer and then the reality in my experience are so different. Yeah. And you've like, I mean, getting coming out with a journalism degree and like getting into it probably right away. I mean, you'd started writing like right at school or after, didn't you? I, did. um, I, I do it. I really do admire that. Um, like I would call you a writer. I get when I, someone asks me, I'll say I'm an author because mm-hmm. I've authored books and they've been published and I'm working on hopefully another knock on wood uh, book deal. But um, like writer, I, I just like cringe. I'm like, I have no uh, training. That's why I want to take some writing classes. Like after getting published, I'm like, maybe I should take a class. You I love know. that. I admire that. There's a lot of humility in that. Well, I just to get some other perspective. I mean, all this stuff runs through. I mean, in a publishing house, it's like I have two editors, book designers, you know, a, a metadata team that analyzes and they come up with a good little write-up on the book and things like that. So there is like this blessing of the machine of a publisher. Right. right. So it's like, well, if it was that bad, I feel like would these editors be like, look, you got to change this, 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 and this. But they're all like, oh, no, this is this is great. You have a voice, things like that. And then I'm like, well, I work with almost all British people. And I'm like, they're just, they're polite. Right. The Brits are like socially very polite. Right. And like, uh, you know, uh, respectful. Um, but yeah, so that that's my plan is this year, especially when Jupiter goes into Gemini, it seems like a great time to really also like go with that flow and learn something new, like get better at writing. So I want to get more skilled. I like that. I always recommend, not that you're asking, but like reading the great writers, you know, and re- like reading them over and over again. I spent a chunk of time maybe a decade ago with Salinger and I'm like I want to read every Salinger book and figure out what is his secret sauce like why is he great and what I realize his trick is is he has one character tell another character a secret about a third character 
This is okay. his, you'll see this in every book. So we have this inside information that the characters don't know that we have about them. And it's kind of this like triangulation. And I did the same thing, you know, with Tom Robbins and some other writers and just like really honed in on like, what is it that has made this person like a literary sensation? And it was a really fun exercise. I think that's a great idea. I've actually sort of started doing that, like where I'm like, I should give myself the the literature degree that I never got, at least just by reading stuff. Yeah. So I started with like classics like um uh you know this what is it? The sun also rises. Mm-hmm. Um well, I mean, yeah, so I mean so well, minimal. I was amazed because like I read like old man in the sea, like as a teenager, and I don't think they should teach literature to like teenagers because there's always going to be a couple of smart kids that like get into it. And granted, I did love the stranger, but Mm -hmm. I read that book and I had no bearing on it. And you come into class and you're trying to analyze it. And what does the fish represent and all this, but going back now as an adult and someone who has you know, published a few books. Um, so I started with that. Um, and then it just disappeared off my Kindle. I use a Kindle for that stuff. Cause you can buy these classics for like their dollar. So I don't know what happened to it. I was like halfway through. So I gotta, I gotta, they, they stole it back from me, but I was amazed that within three pages, I already got the lay down on this character who like his whole history. So that was cool. Uh, but I started reading Mark Twain's short stories because I read his quotes and I'm always like, okay, this guy, there's a brilliance. I love the Americanness. Yeah. And um, it's like male. So I, I, uh, I started, I'm in the middle of the short stories. Turns out it's more like a book. Um, but so yeah, I'm picking all of that up. And I also started reading uh, Paradise Lost. Ooh, Milton? Yeah, which is like dense, but there's so many references that I'm going to tie into Kabbalah for a future project that I'm working on. And I have a friend who's more, you know, academia-driven poet and things like that. So she's like working on a thing. So that just inspired me to let me you know i know what the story's about a bit and and then just the precision and that language it's like i can like literally want to every two lines make footnotes and from my perspective of how it ties into mystical kabbalah so i feel like i should just read it i should just read it as a casual flow and then go back and like dissect it but i'm dissecting it through my lens you know but um so those like, but I think part of it is just getting all that stuff in your brain. And just seeing all the different ways. I love that you mentioned Twain because I read Adventures of Huckleberry Finn in 10th grade. And that was the book that like shook me to my core and made me want to be a writer. Wow. Uh, I love Because that. I was shocked that I could feel so much that it could elicit so much emotion. And it was specifically um writing in the dialect right and um you know the dialect of the slave and i remember you know a few years ago i was writing for a fictional podcast and i wrote 
um, I pitched the story to my editor at the podcast and I got the go ahead and it was about a real life love affair I had in Costa Rica with a Nicaraguan refugee who had a very thick Patois accent and his name was Jamal. All this was in the pitch. And so I worked really hard on the script to like really get the accent right and that's tricky the lingo right and then they said well we can't accept this um because this is cultural appropriation and you're racist for wait what year was this this was 2020. And okay the, and so right at the they were like okay we got the mess we got the memo right and i was like wait a minute we're not allowed to write in dialect anymore and and my editor who was in his mid-50s said no and i said oh, okay so was mark twain also a racist who was guilty of cultural appropriation and he said yes and i i was like shame on you like how oh, how man. do you sleep at night with that fucking bullshit running your head those narratives are big time plaguing uh, publishing, especially American publishing. I have a friend who, um, you know, got got a book deal. Um, they were able to pause it because, um, you know, they just had a child and things like that. They were the first writer this new publishing house signed, and then they did this whole feature of like their writers, but if they never even listed her because she's like white, like you're just going out of your way to like not feature somebody. And I'm like, if you're elevating these voices, like people want, I want interesting stories. Right. Like what is this like paradigm we entered where like, if whatever your culture is, that could be a great story. I'm certainly interested in it, but I'm not interested in that story because it's your culture. You know, if I just wrote like, I'm a, I'm a normal Christian white American and I go to Chick-fil-A. Like, that's not a story. That's <laughs> like not interesting. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I, I mean, I see it from a distance. I do like my publisher. I don't know. They're, they're English, but I do notice they, they feature, I, I'm going to have a meeting with them because I'm like, is it all just uh, like, come on it's a it's it's taking over it's like um so my wife is working on this project that has to do with mothering mm -hmm. i don't want to reveal too much until she's like drops it yes. so i have to like keep it a little bit sealed and uh someone sent her this uh substack article about like ma this whole culture now of mom influencers right so like look at me like we're homesteading on instagram and i have four children and i make sourdough bread every day and blah 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 like great but the whole article the whole tone and the whole perspective was like oh it's mostly these like white women doing it and then like capitalizing on this and capitalism like they just throw in every term right yeah. i'm like waiting for something about cultural appropriation but they just have to go out of their way to shit on it because the people happen to be white and then somehow they're monetizing um motherhood i'm like what what is even your message like what is the world that like there's, there's so many shit articles where i'm like what is your actual perspective like, what is the world that you want to live in? Like, do you, are you saying it would be better off that the government gives us all and tells us what our jobs should be? Right. And not. Well, it, it is a Marxist agenda. So, kind the, the, of. Like, 
<laughs> to not have the opportunity to mo- I like kudos to people that are able to take something just, just them and monetize it. Yeah. You know, I think the millennials really gave us that and opened that door to be like, no, guess what? You are a special flower and you can monetize just being yourself. Not everybody, but um, what, like, what's the problem? So they happen to be white. Like I know a, a black mom uh, influencer. Like, is that okay then? You know, Probably. like these, there's no redemption in that thought. Like there's not even a solution to say, I think this is bad because capitalism and it would be better that we're enslaved and we have a government that just makes everything equal. And uh, it, it's like, I, I, I read it and then I get so frustrated. Like now I'm podcasting about it with you. And I'm like, why did this person send this to you? It's like these moms, they're like white and they all live in white houses. <laughs> they're like pretty. And they, I'm like, Gina's like, wait, I live in a white house. I'm an attractive mom. Uh, <laughs> you know, like what, what is the point of that thought stream? It's not even a thought stream. Like that's the thing is like, I don't think those people are thinking it through and could even take it to like, oh, we just want the government to tell us what to do. It's just, I need to shit on whiteness. I need to self-flagellate for whiteness. I need to parrot this narrative to feel relevant in a larger industry and a larger psyop that I don't understand that only exists to divide us um, and decimate our populace. Well, 100%. I guess what drives me the most, if I really think it drives me the most crazy about it is what is your real point of view and your solution? Like I would be happier reading an article when, where someone says we need to bring back uh, like an elite aristocracy all get like, and if they just supported a point of view, I'd, I'd rather read that than just like, Oh, well imply that you're white or that you monetized a skill set that's capitalism and that's bad like right. capitalism's the problem with capitalism is like blackrock you know not an individual but that's a monopoly monopolies are the problem oligarchy is the problem but capitalism as we see it just allows for this insanity to thrive where the ideal of capitalism to me is like you're an individual and you can create things and monetize it and it should be a free market. And I just really kudos to people who just monetize their stuff. And I do think we live in the most opportune time to like, that's what I do. That's what you do. Totally. You know, we like, and uh, people like around here in Vermont, people are, what do you do? And, um, you know, meaning what do you do for a job? At least in LA, my experience is people ask you what you did. They were interested in what your interests were. Right. Not what you like, oh, what do you do for money? Right. Um, so I can like writer sounds like a job and then, um, you know, but trying to, and Vermont's a little like there, I meet a lot of cool people and they are open to all this stuff, but, um, you know, I never quite know what to say or like going back, coming back into the country through TSA, like where it's like occupation, you're like right. neurologist, um, prophet, uh, seer, uh you well, know I like mystic, <laughs> mystic i put that's in my bio um like mystic so at least with like being an author now i could just like writer 
just checks off and no questions asked. Right. You know, it could be writing articles, books, you know, am I literary or do I, am I write in like John Grisham? Yeah. You know, um, when you go through TSA, do you get pissed? Do you have heart flutters? Are you (laughs) irritated by the theater of it all? Well, yeah, I mean, this, this is like me every day, just going through life, especially with, uh, like they're ramping up like COVID again right now. And I'm like, I'm already seeing like the mass and I'm already like, just like getting pissed. Um, but you know, the good news is what a, what an auspicious alignment that they just so happen to have some new vaccines ready too. So thank God, right? Like, but that's so helpful. It's so helpful. And thank God the, um, the regulating body representative is also on the board at Pfizer. Like there's yeah. no conflict of interest there. And that's not capital capitalism gone astray. We got to worry about a mom influencer. Um, yeah. TSA. I don't get nervous in the sense I'm not like doing anything illegal, but I do. I, I mean, I've definitely been pulled aside and um for what random searches right Right. i get that i've gotten that more than i would have thought um i haven't flown in a while since having a kid but um i did make the mistake lesson learned i was actually going from la to new york a couple years ago and i had um all these crystals that I put in my carry-ons like quartz crystals. And cause I was going to meet with a bunch of clients. I was going to do readings and I'm like, Oh, it's good. It, the crystals, it's good for the show. And I like them. But when I watch the bag go through the scanner, like a quartz crystal, like that big, it looks like a weird, like I get why they like all of a sudden had to go aside. They had to search everything, start swabbing my asshole for like gunpowder. Um, that was a mistake because then they're rifling through my tarot cards and mm. you know and they're not like uh, so definitely lesson learned in that i do not travel at least to carry on with any crystals anymore but right. the whole all of it yeah i'm against like all of it because i actually we we're probably old enough i remember being able to go to the airport as a kid and just go right up and like oh I remember my mom came back from something and you just, you're right. There's no security really. You're right. You get off the plane and there you are. Yeah. Like, Hey, like, and that was it. And then the first Iraq war security got a little intense and then it just kept getting more and more, more intense. And then in order, it's always to protect you or for your convenience or to serve you better. And people are just like, okay, this is what I do. I won't fly anymore. And I I have friends who get irritated because they want to take trips with me. And I'm like, trust me, it's a public service because I I've never been able to behave myself with TSA. Um, You know, I'm always like leading the revolution that I expect everyone to jump in. But I'm always the only one. And then I always opt out. And one time I opted out when Mercury was retrograde, as it is now. And, you know, the swab set off an alarm. So I get pulled into a private room and I knew it was a mercury retrograde thing. And they had me unbutton the just the button of my pants, not the zipper. And she just took her gloved 
hand around the inside of the waistband and she's like, you're free to go. And I'm like, ladies, if we're going to commit to this sham, then I'm going to need you to really commit. Because if you think that I could actually be a threat to other people's safety, we all know where I might be hiding the thing. So are you going to show up for your job or is this we're just going to admit that this is theater and this is all fake. And they were like, just go. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm waiting like they're the whole they're really trying to push fucking COVID again. And I'm already seeing, you know, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing like the people they don't even read art. They don't even read books, but they don't even they just read headlines. Right. It's like you can just watch the world and know their algorithm. And I'm like, oh, here we go. And I'm seeing people walk alone down the street. We're in Vermont, like basically in the middle of nowhere. And, um, you know, I respect if you're wearing that mask for fumes and you're walking on the road and cars and dust particles and things like that. Um, so we'll see. I feel like more and more people have are keen to what's happening now, which I didn't think would happen. You didn't, I mean, you didn't think that anyone would wake up to the sham who di wasn't clued in to yeah. it from the get go? I had no hopes of that. And oh. more, I'm more hopeful now. I mean, I was open to the truth, but like in 2020, I was like, uh, we can see where this is going. But I have noticed a pattern and I'll track the astrology. All of a sudden, things open like, the energy opens up. Oh, okay. Like everything is coming to light. Everything that call that would deem you a conspiracy theorist, mm -hmm. just based based on like the most simple, obvious connecting. You don't even have to connect dots. It's like, it's like as obvious as, oh, it's raining out and I'm wet. Do I need to do a study as to why I'm wet? Like, right. You know, right. Like, we need to consult the science. <laughs> yeah exactly like are you wet like you're not wet um <laughs> that's what it, it felt like so i do see and then i'm like well i'm also in that algorithm and those are the people that i know but already you know right. what i mean but it does seem like more and more people and like even the mainstream media is like had to finally talk about like oh yeah it does look like uh it was coming from a lab oh it does look like there was an actual conspiracy to cover that up, but nothing's happening. Like no heads are rolling. There's no retributions. There's no justice happening. And we're just going to like, let everything slide. I'm going to be that like angry idiot. who's like, like what the fuck? Like something still needs to happen. Like, where's this uh, justice? You know, I'm right there with you. I mean, I was walking with a girlfriend yesterday and there was a car parked next to mine with a Biden Harris sticker on it. And I'm just like, really? In 2023, you're not going to scrape that shit off. You have no dignity. <laughs> what you're still going to stand by that decision that you should be um, ashamed of and, and hiding. <laughs> yeah, it's like um, that's yeah, that's like profound because I still I'll meet a lot of people. They really love to get caught up that their identity is being a Democrat, but nobody is like, oh, uh, yeah, like I really like Biden. Like my cousin, who I love, and we get along great. And um, what she doesn't know is she's like so hardcore conservative. She makes like Ronald Reagan look like a libtard. 
but she doesn't like she doesn't realize like she doesn't think like she's like to get these homeless people all need jobs like she's like new yorker and i'm like you know that's <laughs> i don't sure i'm not sure you realize where like you stand on this other extreme like um but yeah i it's weird. The politics too is like another thing where people get really so caught up and then we're being programmed to get so caught up. And there's this division that never needs to exist. And it, it does fascinate me that even the quote far right and the quote far left are saying the exact same thing. We have oppressive institutions and organizations that do not have our best human interest in mind and imagine if all of those people realized that, but they've been played to all pit against each other, right? And like, it's insane because the, everybody's coming from a perspective of some level of disenfranchisement or powerless, or the feeling of being powerless, right? Which is also kind of dumb because then you're just relying on institutions to give you. It's like even the quote far right. I'm like, yeah, but what do you rely? You are what you're saying is communism in the sense that you want the institution of the government to provide you with the better life, right? I think it's a reflection of where we're at in terms of our level of consciousness, and that's what shocked me about the past few years. Of like, people want to be told what to do; they want some sort of daddy government acting as their overlord, you know, if it's God, if it's a president, if it's Fauci, people are, it seems to me, don't have enough, a strong enough sense of self, don't have enough trust in their own intuition, inner authority, resourcefulness or whatnot, that I think the yeah. majorities really want to be order followers. Um, I, 100%. Sorry. Are you still going on that? I just was oh, wanted no, to back just, it up. No, I please take it. <laughs> well, and I, I've been I've been saying a similar thing, even based on this, uh, like you know, we're in the Aquarian age, right? Or in my magical tradition, it's the Eon of Horus, and you know, however you want to look at it, New Age. There's a new consciousness shift, right? There's a sort of new formula, if you will, philosophical or spiritual formula for humanity to sort of live by. And the idea is you are more empowered now as a, as an individual. And it's exactly what you're saying is that there's still some sort of just like, just so many incarnations of being the, like having to surrender your power to an authority. And it's strong. It's just the the humanity is still, their psychology is still captive by that. And we're looking for authorities. We're looking for experts. So it's interesting to see experts and authority, especially in America, more and more people, which surprised me, are seeing, wait, none of these authorities are actually telling the truth. It turns out they don't have the best interest in mind. The CDC has no idea. Like, they have backstepped, backtracked on everything that they've said, right? And so people are seeing just, oh, it doesn't work, right? There's still people out there that are blind enough to be like, okay, well, this new vaccine, this one's going to stop the spread and things like that. But it's the attachment to having that authority, and that's going to be the hard break, right? So magic we're gonna say okay this is the eon of horus the new quote messiah right the old paradigm is we had a a, a messiah we had to have a, a big teacher 
So in the spiritual formula is like, we need a Jesus Christ. We need a, a Buddha. We need to, to follow like, and that was, I think that that's how it works. Like the energy shift and that transmission for your development came through some high teacher. And then the lower vibration of that is a King and a queen. And then a lower vibration is like, you know, whatever, some politician, right. Or right. now America's just something. Yeah. And and the new Messiah now and the magical teaching is your your own individual connection to God spirit, you know, would throw in, you know, a noun or an adjective, whatever you're, uh, um, and that's very challenging and we're, we're just not quite there yet. It doesn't mean we don't have a place for teachers and, and wisdom and, and whatnot, but it's like, it's, it, it was amazing to see, how much people that I didn't even think were so dependent on what the authorities said. Right. When I thought I was friends with mostly rugged individualists, which mostly I am because most of my inner group of people were all on the same page. Right. But um, it's always like this addiction to some level of enslavement. Exactly. Consciousness. And then now the new narrative is like, well, you know, you're not like you have to be a certain level of enslaved and victim and, and powerlessness. Otherwise, yeah. you ain't shit. Right. Know? But it's weird because then you're saying like when you claim like I'm the biggest victim, we might win like social credit, but we're so losing. It's like we're claiming like I'm disempowered and I have no agency over my sucky lot in life. So I might get pity from other people, but it's this trap that gets us to disempower ourselves. And I just see it as so woven in to the system that like, if we can wave a magic wand today and say, no more mandates, no more Patriot Act, no more propagandizing our own people, we're gonna go back to like an honest on the level uh, constitutional Republic. I don't think most adults could handle themselves without someone telling them what to do. I feel like we're kind of a lost cause. Let's just focus on the kids at this point. And, you know, it's like thalidomide babies, like, sorry guys, we fucked up and uh, you're fucked for the rest of your incarnation, but we're gonna make sure this doesn't happen again. I couldn't agree more. I think it's important though, that people like us and we're definitely friends with and surround ourselves and even our algorithm is gonna be a little more free thinking but even to that extent, I'm still like seeing people that are so into some type of politician, whether it's right wing or left wing, that even that notion of like, well, I got to vote this president, my whole like the have so much bearing on your life and whether or not your life is going to be successful or not. You know, like when Trump got elected, I was like, oh, God, this seems dark and horrible, Um, but I'm still going to focus on doing well. And then his whole presidency, I was like, wow, like I've done great. Like my whole everything I've been doing is like really built up. And then I didn't think, oh, wow, this like Biden clown, this like Manchurian candidate. I was like, wow, times are actually darker. And wait, I've still managed to do better, you mm. know? So like 
did the president have all this bearing? Do I not? I don't like what's going on with the world since all this COVID insanity, right. you know, but I, I, obviously you're not here on this exact page with all this crazy. Um, so, you know, but I see where I slip into just allowing myself to like on some level feel some despair or some trigger like it sometimes it it's easy to see wow this could be go full hopeless full like authoritarian because you just see these patterns right and then there's the the mainstream where it's like literally don't think for yourself here's a new york times op-ed piece how voting is bad for democracy you know right that that, that exists yeah, it's nuts. I mean, I think it's a fine line of like, how much do we move between the cracks, pull our attention out of the sham show and just focus on what we're creating and, and making our lives comfortable and bountiful and beautiful and lovely. And and then also like, what is our responsibility to steering the earthship onto saner trajectory? What is our responsibility to safeguarding future generations you know like i know you talked about this in a recent podcast of like our addiction to comfort right and it's like i saw a video about okay if they're gonna lock us down again this guy was like well just focus on your dharma and focus on your investing and do your spiritual work and don't get caught up in it and i can see the value of that but i'm all but i can also see that if we unified and strategized and stood up and said no, um, that it might not have to go that way. So it's like, you know, yeah, how I do think you that's, figure out the right way to handle it? I, I'm not going to go with the last. I mean, if it really got to a point where I'm like, wow, there's like, they're sitting out in my yard with guns telling me to never leave my house. Okay, I'll, you know, here I am. But it's exactly that. And, and I think more and more people, are definitely saying no just in our local community we've met so many on the same page and they're just ready they've already told stores like if hey if you put up a mandate like we're not coming here oh right so um that's yeah so it's like people are making preemptive strikes they're already laying it down saying you know no this isn't happening or if you're gonna do this like you know nowadays too you can you can always shop somewhere else Right. I did compromise my values last year and I went into a lifestyle gift shop that was demanding masks because they sold my book and I wanted to see it and get a picture of it on the shelf. And I was so conflicted. I was like, I'm like, I'm a man of virtue, right? I'm not fucking capitulating for this shit. Uh, but then I'm like, oh, it's my book and I don't want to ruffle any feathers because I still want them to sell my book. Right. You know, it's not like they're, um, you know, like doing anything like, so I just, I put the mask on and I was with someone who had never seen me in a mask. They were like, you look so funny in a mask. I, I don't even know. I had to like rig it. I feel like it maybe tie a sock around my face or something, but, um, <laughs> I like took the picture and it's not like the woman was rude. Um, she wasn't awesome either, but I was like, I'm still thinking about it. Like a year plus later, I'm like conflicted. Like, Oh, I really wanted that pick. I wanted to see my book in the store. It's really fun. Like, that's like the coolest part in a way of writing a book is like, there it is. Or people send me pictures 
but I'm glad that there's people here sticking to their guns. They're not just going to meditate it away and um, uh, are already notifying, putting businesses on, on point already. Yeah. So, you know, That's we'll fine. see. I think it's, you know, I thought, oh, they're really going to ramp it up. Of course, just in time for elections and stuff. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, like just in time for a new variant, just in time for the new vaccine rollout. So right. And mail in mail in voting again, because that worked uh, so well last time. <laughs> you, know, you know, what surprises me more like as a child, I always like would think, how are how do we know any election is real to begin with? Like, it seems like it's the, like so much is on the line. You know, um, I'm always too thinking like, how is it more people don't even don't get assassinated? Like these seem like rational thoughts as like a 12 year old boy, just right. not like I'm going to be an expert in geopolitics, but, you know, just like thinking in those terms, it seems pretty obvious, but the whole, yeah, like regardless of like direct cheating, the, all the elections now in America, it just seems like a mess. With like you don't even know, and all of a sudden, like oh, it takes a month now to count an election. Um, you know, just even if you think everything's on the up and up, shouldn't you be like, wait, this doesn't seem like a good system, right? You know? right? You would think, but like all the things that were like, why aren't people thinking this? Why aren't people thinking this? What I mean, for me, it just points to the fact that they no longer have access to their thinking capabilities. But in terms of if they are going to do another lockdown with the, this move into the Aries Libra access, like how will that change lockdown mm -hmm. version two from lockdown version one? Danny, really good question. So the North Node. So those of you, just a little, um, little basic info. The North Node is the direction that we're leaning into, that we're moving into. On a on a more poetic notion, it's sort of a destiny and a calling. But it's going to also, for the unconscious collective, it's it's going to be the flow of inertia. And so there's a tendency into this Aries direction of North Node. Aries is war. Aries is self-assertion. And Aries is like, no, I'm doing my thing. And I have to do my thing for myself. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that um, it's going to be a lot tougher to manipulate because it's a headstrong energy. Yeah. To tie it into magic in the notion of my tradition that the language will say we're in the eon of Horus. Horus is a god of war. Mm -hmm. You know, so Mars is a god of war. So Mars is not going to back down. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's working in our favor. Um, and, you know, what was interesting. We had, I had messaged you a, a bit about this, but we just came out of a direct square. We're still in this energy where Pluto, which really is this notion of inevitability. And I've talked a lot about Pluto. Pluto has these longer cycles. So it takes about 250 years for Pluto to get back into a sign. Pluto just went into Aquarius which the last time this happened was during the American revolution. Oh. So it's really the energy. Now we could say America started in 1776, but if we didn't win the, the, the revolutionary war, we, there, 
there would be no America, at least not at that time. So really, America didn't really gain its independence until Pluto was in Aquarius. And so this happened and this just happened now for the first time since the Revolutionary War while the America was in the middle of fighting it. Now it's retrograded back into Capricorn. Capricorn is going to represent oppressive authoritarian control. doesn't have to be oppressive, but that's how it turns out into the low consciousness of man. Right. I don't mean, I mean, man is mankind. Of course. (laughs) Just, just remind people about English. Uh, (laughs) I have a, I have a big boy panty, big girl panty audience. (laughs) I I mean, I've, I've started to say humanity more. I I actually like that. That sounds optimistic. Um, But uh, Aquarius is this liberation, this freedom. It is notions. The French revolution happened last time we had this for the planet was these like new ways, like the people and Aquarius, uh, you're an Aquarius. It's you'll see it as the people collective. It's the sign of it's the friendly sign. I do like the saying Aquarius loves humanity. Doesn't like people. Very but, um, accurate. <laughs> the, uh, you know, it's a little just distant. Like you guys can have your problems. I'm off here doing my science. Um, but that is this, this shift now in in consciousness but pluto is was well we're still sort of in the energy of a square and so that's creating tension and pluto is this inevitability and it's the soul and it's like pluto will make you face the music whether you're ready to or not and the nodes in aries and libra have been squaring it so what's what i discovered is deeper in that astrology. There's a way I can attribute numerology mm-hmm. based on Hebrew letters that are attributed to those um, those different aspects. Like, so Pluto has a, a Hebrew letter attributed. It's a, it has a tarot card attributed, and the Aries and Libra have Hebrew letters attributed. But when you add it all up, that number was the same numerology as Trump. And the day that it went exact square is and when he meaning had, is like Trump's name. The Trump name. Okay. Yeah, the name. So that's there's different. And does right. it mean Trump the incarnate human or Trump as in the card that beats all the other cards? Well, both because it's the word. Right. So, but if you think about just Trump, 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 like yeah. that is in the that is in this in everybody's consciousness like the right. entire planet basically like probably even there's probably a trump someone who lionizes trump like in the middle of like uh, you know a jungle somewhere like off-grid tribe that has barely been discovered but it somehow has a cell phone like i see all these like crazy footage of like people in india like loving trump and right. have like shrines it's like, very interesting to me <laughs> But that square, the numerology of that is the same as the name Trump, Interesting. which the day that it went exactly square, there was like more charges against him. Um, and then we have Libra, which is like coming out of a legal thing. So I, I don't know. I think that it's interesting because to me, Trump represents now it's like way beyond Trump, the man, right? Who takes shits and things like that and right. whatever, you know, probably likes macaroni and cheese. Like this is like a bigger concept, but it's an interesting choice of a name. 
because Trump trumps everything. So if exactly. you just think about the sort of word magic, and that's your area of expertise, um, it's powerful. The numerology, though, I when I first looked into this some time ago, I wanted to find the deepest, darkest, destructive things through all these old texts and Kabbalah stuff that I have where like people, magicians and Jews have been logging numbers you know, for thousands of years. And I've been lucky to have access to some of this. And um, like Gematria. Yeah. Okay. And um, it's like all of this, this positive, like very positive, even lines about astrologers and magicians and mystical people. And um, I was like, okay. And then when I wanted to find good stuff back a few years ago, let's see the Biden name frequency. Literally, uh, a great president and the Duke of Hell and all of the destructive energy of Mars, which is the letter Pei in Hebrew, um, okay. which is attributed to the Tower card. And I was like, well, this isn't good. And so sometimes and now I'm like, wow, things are weird. So the, my biggest fear of the North Node Aries is it's warmongering. But I think in this case, um, overall, I think that. It's just people are are fed up. Mm -hmm. I think even just average person is going to be like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm just not not doing this. Minus like New York City or something and San Francisco or whatever. I but hope from, that's. Oh, sorry. I mean, we'll see. I'm glad we have a network here. My concern is I don't I'm, I'm not going to tolerate my son learning to speak around people that are. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. And, and then you won't be able to to learn facial expressions and those those subtle shifts that mean so much for developing emotional intelligence. Yeah, gee, like it's so funny how obvious that is. I mean, at least there's like a lot of studies, like legit, like the regular institutions that people have come to trust. Um, but I, what's sad is I keep meeting parents with like four year olds where they're real speaking development happened in the height of masking and they're having a lot of trouble and it breaks it honestly breaks my heart because yeah. you, you're like this is a sweet and bright child it's not like but they they're they're conditioning and they're learning and what they saw and you know and on some level i i like part of me wants to rage like this is child abuse but a lot of people like they are in positions to put their kids they have to put their kids in some like daycare whatever the situation and you know I, that's why i've been encouraging people for years in my teachings which isn't me but these are magical teachings to create something to create a business to monetize so you not just so you can you know make money but so you're more empowered of your life and your life's choices to not be beholden. And I have done that. And I'm so grateful that I did that now as a parent. Thanks so much for tuning in to this latest episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. I am reminding slash thanking you to and for <laughs> 
clicking that subscribe button, for liking, for sharing, for commenting, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As you are receiving any value from my podcast, as you dig it, as you listen regularly, consider supporting me on Patreon and or Locals, where for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of my second half podcast interviews, as well as oodles of bonus content. Your support really goes a long way in supporting me as a journalist and an independent content creator navigate her way through a really crunchy time in terms of free speech. And as you are wanting to learn more about my work in the world, my books, my products, my quantum languaging, coaching, and consulting, you can find me at dannycats.com as well as quantumlanguaging.com. And if you're not down with a membership patronage platform and want to send me one-time donation, You can use the Bitcoin link if it actually appears on your podcast listening platform. You could also send me a one-time donation by way of PayPal at dannycats at pm.me or by way of Venmo where my username is Sadie Bloom. Again, your support means the world and makes a massive, massive difference when it comes to continuing to share this work with the world. Thank you for sharing your sacred attention with me. Thank you for remembering that you are omniscopic amazingness and for having a rockin' day. See you next time, superstars.